today? Do you belong to him? Well, as, as mentioned earlier, and as you know, Pastor White isn't here today, so it allows for other people to come and have the opportunity to preach. And uh, preaching today is of someone who's been very faithful to our church, who's been here almost from the beginning, I would say. And in order to introduce, we have a letter from his son in all the way from Ireland. And he writes here, Dear Church, this is from Lance Rancis, or Rylance Rancis. Dear Church family, I miss you all very much. Thank you for your prayers for me while I am working here in Ireland. Things have been well. I have adjusted and I am now well aware that traffic is on the other side of the road. Certain words and phrases that the Irish say still, sh- still surprise me. For example, they say grand and class, which means good. They say your man when they talk about anybody, even if it's not your man. Maybe you just have to be there to understand. (laughs) Maybe we should have him speak when he comes back. Work is going really well. I've written a few research articles and designed some of their pamphlets. This Tuesday, I will be going to Serbia to attend a week-long conference relating uh, cystic fibrosis. I did not say that right. Cystic. Is that right? Cystic? I did not go to university. (laughs) I went to a different university. Uh, So please pray for me and my safety that I will be there and uh, get across the border with no problems. I will definitely be praying for border crossings with no problems. At the church I am attending, Hope Baptist Church, the pastor and assistant were away today to return to America for an important meeting. A missionary was here to lead the service. I had the opportunity to join their choir and be one of their ushers to take the offering. I am happy that I've been given the chance to serve and be a blessing wherever I can. A few weeks ago, I had asked the church to pray for the Irish uh, referendum that would legalize abortion. I'm sad to say that the majority voted in favor of abortion. It was hard to see, it was a hard thing to see people celebrating on the streets after the vote. The world is so blinded by sin and in need of the gospel. Thank you all again for praying for me. God bless. Lance. And to prove that he really is in Ireland, and to prove he actually did sing in the choir, we have like a few second clip of him singing in the choir here in Ireland. So enjoy this for a second. Go ahead. He's on the far left. Oh, there he is. Maybe that's Photoshop. Is that really him? Very cool. I was hoping to hear a cool accent in the singing, but maybe maybe not when they sing. But uh, we're, we're so thankful for the Rance's family, for Lance, and, and of course for Brother Ronald, as he'll be uh, preaching for us this evening. And he's been a dear friend of mine, dear friend of most everybody here in this church, very faithful to the Lord. And uh, I won't, I won't uh, introduce too long, so if you'd like to come up and uh, preach the word for us, Brother Ronald, we're looking forward to hear what the Lord has, for, has given to you to give to us. And thank you for being faithful to him.
We apologize as we were experiencing technical difficulties during this moment of the service. We will fast forward to the point where the sound came back on. And I was very sad because it happens during my time. We're, we're on a picnic, we're in Berry Creek Park, and it's so sad. So it happens on that year, December 2012, my mom died because of cancer, of the incurable cancer. And there are lots of stories that happens in this life. If I would add more, there are lots. Let me enumerate some. The, the terror attack in 2001, the, the, the Vegas shooting, the, shooting, the mass shooting in the school. There are lots of things happening. The, 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 the truck, the pool of hockey players that died instantly on that collision. And you know what? In line of all of these things that happen in this world, we ask the question, do we really, does it really, do all things really work together for good? We ask that question. Do all things really work together for good? Let's open our Bible so that we can be oriented on what verse is this one. This is kind of like a familiar verse for all of us. In Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, it says here, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's ask for prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do. Thank you for the privilege you have given me. I just pray, Lord, that I will speak your word, that I will be hiding your cross, Lord, that I will be a reflection, Lord, of your image, that my words that be said, Lord, is for your glory and for your honor. Help me now, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know what? Let us be honest and admit that when it comes to Romans 8.28, there are at least two problems that we can see from here. Number one problem is that this promise is something that we have trouble believing. For some of us, it's kind of like a dogmatic. It means that it seems that, that Apostle Paul is so sure that we really, really, we really know that all things work together for good. But we ask Paul, how can you be so sure about that? With the things that is happening in this world, and we know that all of these things will work together for good. Most of us are not sure as Paul was. Maybe we can say we hope all things can work together for good. We can say we wish. We can say maybe some only, some only of the situation. And maybe we can go farther. We can say most of the things work together for good. But it says here, according to Paul, and we know. So it's too dogmatic. The second one is that it includes things that we think ought to be left out. It's too inclusive. It says here, all things work together for good. All things. 
We say, yes, some things really work together for good. But can we really be sure that it is really all things? You know what? When it comes to this verse, you ask my family, this is our family verse. You put us in a contest, what's your family verse? We always said this. In all things, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to her purpose. I do not have to tell you that Romans 8.28 is one of the most beloved verses in the Bible. If I would ask tonight each one of you, this has been a testimony of your life. That when, the times, when there are times that you are down and you look on this verse, it gives you comfort. It gives you hope. In the times that you are down, you are sick, this is your like medicine to your soul. You lost a loved one and this world somehow carried you through. You were crushed and beaten but by the, winds of, by the winds of ill fortune. And this verse gives you hope to go on. Even on myself, I got laid off. I don't know how many times, maybe two or three times already. This verse is my comfort during the time. When problems came into my life, this is a comforting verse for me. Therefore, it sucks to know that there are many who secretly doubt it. They hear this verse quoted, and instead of bomb to the soul, it seems like it's like a mocking, cruel joke for them. Why? Because they said, Paul, what do you mean by good? Sickness is not good. Murder is not good. Divorce is not good. And according to that letter sent by Lance, abortion is not good. Suicide is not good. The death of a child is not good. This verse sometimes is misused by well-meaning Christians who throw in the face of those who are suffering as if it could not answer every question of life. But you know what? Whether we like it or not, this is in the Bible. This is in the Word of God, and it won't go away. Which brings us back to the basic question. Can we still believe in Romans 8.28? Do you think Romans 828 is still true today in our world? Look around things that are happening in our world. Is still true today? We can question that. In order to answer that question, I, I will give you four considerations that will help us answer that question. Number one is that we must start with God. We must start with God. We must put God... First, we must involve God. You know what? If you talk to some of the counselors, some of the, of the psychologists, they would say, you know what? What's happening to you? Just be positive. You know what's happening to you? Oh, okay, just have faith. You know what's happening to you? Just Google it. You can find the answers in the internet. But who's left out there? Because those people who are advising, they have no God. The difference between them and us is that because we know the Savior. Because we know who we came from. We have to get, we have to start with God in the beginning. We will not properly understand this verse as long as we put God 
in the beginning. But some people look at life that way. They believe that life is life is like a roll of dice. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. It's like a wheel. Sometimes you're up there, sometimes you're down here. And they believe that after a tragedy, God shows up and make everything come out right. But that's not the biblical view at all. You know why? Because in reality, God is there at the beginning. He is here at the beginning, He is here at the end, and He is at our midst. He is in the, in, at every point in between. My friends, I would tell you, God is at work. It's not pure luck or chance or blind faith. And that answers the, the great question, where is God when it hurts? Where is God when I'm suffering? And the answer is, is he there? The question also is, is he there at the beginning or is he there only at the end? And we know the answer there. He's at the beginning, the middle, and at the end. Romans 8.28 begins with God. The Bible never asks us to pretend that the suffering that we are having, the experience that we're having, the bad circumstances of life, is that we can pretend that it's only happening. Suffering is suffering and tragedy is tragedy. The point there is we must see the active involvement of God in all of these things. What happens to you and me is not a mechanical turning of a wheel. It is not a karma. It is not a luck. I'm telling you, God is actively at work in your life. Is Paul saying whatever happens to me is good? No. Is he saying that the, tra that the tragedy, the suffering, evil, and tragedy are good? No. Is Paul saying that everything will work out if we would just have enough faith? No. Is he saying that we will understand why God allowed tragedy to come? No. But what then he is saying? He is saying that he is, an er he is erecting a sign over the unexplainable mysteries of life. And the sign reads this way. Quiet. God at work. Quiet God at work. How? We're not sure how. We don't know. To what end? For sure it is good and not evil. That's what Romans 8.28 is saying. Sometimes little children are always afraid of that night. They are scared because they can see the... They can see the... the they cannot see on the darkness. They cry out to, the da to daddy and said. Daddy, just come here. And the daddy would come to the room and he will hold her arms and snug her. And dad will say, don't be afraid. I'm right here with you. The fear goes away when daddy comes in the room. And even so, the darkness of life frightened us until we discover that our heavenly father is there with us. The darkness is still dark. The darkness is still dark. But he is there. And that makes all the difference. Can we still believe in Romans 28? Do you think it's still true today? The answer is yes. Yes, we can.
But the point is we have to start with God. The second one is that we need to have a long-term perspective. We have to have a long-term perspective. So many things in life, as I said before, is unexplainable. Why does a tornado destroy one house and leave the other one untouched? Why that happen in, uh, in that uh, hockey, hockey players? Why it happened that the driver of that bus, of, of, the, of, the, of, the other, of the other truck, was unharmed? And then there are lots of hockey players that was killed. Why is it that in Ireland, the cystic fibrosis is mostly among the children? Why is it that there are 1,300 people, adults and children, affected by cystic fibrosis? Why is it not, not children? Why is it not adults who has shortened life only left? Why is it that only those small kids, even those people who are just unborn, who has their future, but yet they have this kind of sickness, cystic fibrosis, a fatal disease that affects the, 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 the internal organs, especially the lungs and the digestive system. That after that mucus was, was out, then they have trouble breathing because of the cystic fibrosis. Why some bro one brother excel while the other struggles? Why does in the hospital, the doctor said, that you are healed with your tumor, that you don't have any more cancer. And then you came home after a few months, the cancer came back. And the doctor said, oh, I thought I got it all. It's still there, I'm sorry. There are lists of, of such questions is endless. You know what's seen in isolation, they make no sense or whatsoever. The danger with that is, we always judge the end by the beginning. Our danger is that we will judge the end by the beginning. Mention here Myrtle. I was talking to Myrtle one time, we were watching basketball. It's Houston Rockets and, and uh, Golden State Warriors. And then she's stressing me saying, dad, 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 they will lose, they will lose. It's only first quarter. And then put into mind while I'm, while I'm having this, Myrtle, don't judge the end by the beginning. And at the end, Golden State won. And then I told her, I told you, don't judge the end by the beginning. And this is our problem sometimes. We said whatever is happening here, we thought it's the end. But you know what? This is only the, the beginning, and it's a process. It's a long-term long -term process. When tragedy strikes, if we can see a purpose, we assume that there isn't one. And here in Romans 8.28, will give us some help here. Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. The, the word work together came from a Greek word, Greek word sonergen. And what it means is that Soon means, uh, soon means uh, being together. Ergon means work. It's working together. 
and we, we get this, uh, this uh, English word synergy. If you go to a gas station, maybe you, you, saw, you saw it because the ESO gas station is advertising this. It's a fuel technology, says synergy. And I look at it, I Google it, I said, what is this synergy about? And then it says, in gas, in gas station of ESO, there's seven ingredients that put all together to have more power, to be more, more economical. I'm not advertising ESO, right? I'm just saying that, that it says synergy, that working together, put seven ingredients working together to have a, a good purpose, to be more beneficial for us as drivers. What is synergy? Synergy is something, it's working together. I, to give you an illustration about this, when I'm watching my, uh, my uh, when I'm watching basketball, my wife is cooking. When my wife cooks, we went to a restaurant one time in a Japanese restaurant. She didn't know about this. We went to a restaurant one time and then we always ask for soup. It's a Japanese restaurant. I said, what are you ordering? And then there's a, there's a, a, a menu there. It says, I don't know if you know it. It says, the soup is sundubu, right? The, the soup is, it's a, oh no, it's not Japanese, sorry. It's a Korean beef stew, beef stew topu, something like that. And these are the ingredients. Topu, beef, thinly sliced uh, kimchi, red chili, garlic, egg, and salt. If I eat each one of them, it won't taste good. But you know what? If you put all them together, as my wife cooks it, because she tried it at home, and it tastes really good. You can ask her about it. And that synergy, putting each one together. If I eat one of the, especially the kimchi, I don't eat kimchi. If I eat kimchi itself, I don't like it. But you know what? If you put it in a soup, if you put this, this menu, you know what? Actually, on this one here is the salt. Salt came from, a, uh, from sodium chloride. Chloride itself is a toxin. But you know what? Salt, mostly all of you have salt at home, a table salt. We use it, but it was put together. By itself, it's a toxin. We can do that. But if put together, it gives benefit for us. We are using it. And that's what Paul means when, that's what Paul means when he says that God, all, God causes all things to work together. Many of the things that make no sense when in sin in isolation are in fact working together to produce something good in our life. There is a divine synergy in the darkest moments. A synergy that produces something that is positive. And the, the good that is ultimately produced could not happen in another way. It won't happen in any another way. It should be put all together. And that's what God is doing. Another illustration. All of you have cars here. Most of you have cars here. If you go to a manufacturing plant and you are horizontally, you are in a, in a, in a manufacturing plant, you would see how they manufacture cars, whatever car you have. You have BMW, you have Toyota, you have Honda, Nissan, whatever, but they have the same process of doing it. Some of the trucks came in, they have wheels. It's separately, they have wheels, they have chases there, they have ball joints, they have steering wheel, they have carpets, everything. They have fuel, I'm not really a mechanic guy, but all of the stuff there, they put it all together, and you were there standing, and you were seeing the plant, you see the plant, 
it's noisy something is going inside of lebron you can see it from the from the aisle outside but you hear it something is going on something is going on there's some heat there's some fastening that's going on there's some welding that's going on in there and at the very end here you would see a platform there's a nice car a beautiful car that came from an isolation one by one and then when it comes here it's a beautiful car i think that's what god is doing in our life those components each one which we don't know as i said I, i'm not a mechanic when i saw that one maybe i don't know that one oh it's like maybe spark plug i don't know much about it i don't know much about this one same thing with the circumstances of our life there's some components in our life that we don't like and we don't know what's going on but when god puts them together it will be a beauty at the end it will be a beauty at the very end but it begins god begins with the raw materials of life including some parts that there serve no good purpose for us those materials are acted upon by pressure by heat bent shaped and joined together over time something is beautiful being created not by accident but by but by a divine design and as i said nothing is wasted on that process this is what we should look at life we must not judge the end by the beginning but rather the beginning by the end do you think still romans 828 is still true today i still believe but we need a long-term perspective number three we must define the word good we must define the word good and i think this is the most decisive or most important point of issue because sometimes we we look at good it's different from what god's per- perspective is when it comes to good what paul is saying when it comes to good what is the good he is talking about for most of us in our human mind when we say good it equals to things like health like happiness like solid relationship like long life money friendship beautiful houses mansions our job our fame we see those things as good for us in general we think the good life means a better set of circumstances but once again that's not exactly the biblical point when it comes to good in this case we don't have to wonder what paul means i said that because on the next verse on verse 29 romans 8:29 it says here for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren to be conformed to the image of his son and that makes it very clear god has predestined you and me to a certain end and that certain end is the good of romans 8:28 it's not about what we are thinking god has a different way of thinking than us 
the good of Romans 8.28 is that we might conform to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Let me put it plainly. God is at work in your life making you like Jesus Christ. He has predestined you to the end. He is at work in your life making that happen. Therefore, anything that, that makes you more like Jesus Christ is good, and anything that will pull you out of the Lord Jesus Christ is not good. When Paul says that all things work together for good, he is not saying that all the tragedies and heartaches of life will always produce a better set of circumstances. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. But you know what? As I said, God is not committed to making you happy and successful. But He is committed to making you like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever it takes to make you like Jesus, Jesus is good. So it is in the providence that God that we learn more in the darkness than we do in the light. We gain more from sickness than in health. We pray more when we are scared than we are confident. And everything that happens to you, the tragedies, the unexplained circumstances of life, even the stupid choices you make, all is a grist for the meal of God's loving purpose. He will not give up, even when we give up. I read a poem. The title is Along the Lord, Along the Road, by Robert Browning Hamilton. It says like this, I walk a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way. But I, none, but I was none the wiser for all she had to say. Then I walked a mile with sorrow, and never a word said she. But oh, the lessons I did learn when sorrow walked with me. And that's very true in our life. We don't learn when we have pleasure, when we are watching something. We don't learn from those. But where we learn is when we are suffering, when we have pain, when we have sorrow. That's why in the Bible, God says in Ecclesiastes 7.3, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the consonant, the heart, the heart is made better. God is at work of your life right now. You are rough and uncut, and God is patiently chipping away. If we, if we will have an illustration, God is the sculptor of our life, and we are the stone. We are the marble. God's intention for us as a sculptor is that to make it beautiful at the end. He is chipping that stone, one here, one here, he is chiseling it, doing something to make it really nice. And whatever he's doing, he is not intentionally hurting us. It's not his intention to hurt his people. He has a purpose at the end. 
as I said before, it is for us to be like His Son, Jesus Christ. But this is the greatest problem for us, I think. That our good and God's good are not the same. As I said, we want happiness. We want fulfillment and peace. But meanwhile, God is at work in us, through us, and by everything that happens to us, transform us into the image of His Son. He is always there. He never deterred us. Nothing's happened to us outside of His control. And as Pastor mentioned this before, Romans 8.28 is summarized in two words. No mistakes. God can do that when He weakened. God does it even when we don't believe it. This is what Paul means when he says, We know. We know it because we know God. And He has said it. His word is trustworthy and it guarantees it. Indeed, His character rests upon it. We know it not by looking at the events of life, but by knowing God. We know it not by studying the, the pattern of the cloth, but by knowing the designer of that fabric. We know it not by listening to the notes of the symphony, but by knowing the composer of that music. There are many things that we don't know. We don't know why babies die instantly, why cars wreck, why planes crash, why is there terrorism, why families break up, good people, Christian people, why good people get sick and suddenly die. But this we do know, God is at work and he has not forgotten us, which sometimes we think that God forgets us. I'm telling you right now, God never forgets us. God will never leave us nor forsake us. The question I've been asking you, can we still believe in Romans 8.28? Do you think it's still true today, Romans 8.28? I think it still is. But we must properly define what is good. Last but not the least, we must understand the limitation of this verse. Notice the verse, the last phrase of this verse in Romans 8.28. To those who love God, who have been called according to His purpose. And this is very important limitation. Because this limitation, it doesn't involve the human race. It doesn't involve all the people. It doesn't involve even the church people. It says here, to those who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. The verse is true of Christians and only Christians only. It is not a blanket of promise for the human race, for everyone. Why? Because God's purpose is to make His children one day like His Son. I have two simple questions for you today. Do you respond to that God's call? Are you part of God's saving purpose in your life? It's either you said yes or you said no to those questions. There is no middle. Until you can answer yes, this verse does not apply to you. We have to respond that call. When God is knocking on our door, we have to open our heart for God. Where was God 
when my son died. The story is told of a father whose son is killed in an accident. He questioned his father, he said, where was God when my son died? The pastor thought for a moment, he think for a moment, he said, the same place he was when his son died. The same place he was when his son died. And that's the final piece of that puzzle. I mentioned the word puzzle sometimes. When I think of puzzle, sometimes we can equate our life with a puzzle. If you have a big puzzle, you see the different colors of the puzzle. There's some dark colors of the puzzle. There's some colorful part of the puzzle. Those colorful part of that puzzle are the good things in life. The darkness, the dark part of the puzzle are the bad things in life. As I said, synergy, if you put them all together, it will be a make a good wall decor. It's a full piece of a nice puzzle, right? And that last piece is that when we see God. When God put that piece, the last piece of that puzzle, that is our life. When we see God, when we were there, entered into his gate, and we, we will see his face, face to face. Therefore, we can say with the Apostle Paul, we know, not because we know the answer, or we see the answer, but because we know him. And he knows us, what it's like to lose a son. He knows and we know him. Can we still believe in Romans 8.28? Do you think Romans 8.28 is still true today? Let me answer that question with another question. If you don't believe in Romans 8.28, that is still true today. My question is, what is your alternative? What is your option? Do you think that life is by chance? Do you think that life is kind of like a process of nature when it just happened instantly? Do you think it's only luck? Do you think it's karma? I was reading last Saturday the horoscope. Do you think we will depend our life in some kind of astrology? I don't think so. Because Romans 8.28, I still believe that is still true today. Even though there are lots of things happening in this world, I think it's still true today. Because this is in God's word. This is in his word. Yes, we can, and we must believe in Romans 8.28. It is teaching us one great truth, that all things ultimately contribute to the ultimate good of those who love God. That does not answer every question. As I said, we cannot fully understand what's going on in our life. There will always be a question, question, question. For us, we have to trust God. But you know what? It does answer a big question. Does God know what he is doing? The answer is yes. He does. And we know him. And that is enough. I want to close with this illustration here. A professor 
Dr. Caldwell, teaching in a Bible seminary. He said to his students, tomorrow I will be preaching and teaching about Romans 8. And on that Romans 8, I want you to really look at Romans 8.28. Let me know what does it says and what does it, it doesn't says. And by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Caldwell looked on its face of his student and he said these words, Before I leave, I want you to realize and I want you to know that Romans 8.28 is still true today. Then, on that day, Dr. Caldwell and his wife met an accident. Their car was plowed by a, by a train and his wife died instantly on that incident. Dr. Caldwell, the professor, become disabled. He was permanently disabled. But several months later, he came back to that class with his cane. And then the students are waiting. They are waiting what Dr. Caldwell will be saying to them. He go into the front with his cane. Again, as he said before, he looked on its face of each student. And he said, Romans 8.28 is still true today, even at this. My friends, brother and sister, life is a mystery because we don't have the knowledge and mind of God. We don't have the heart of God. But today, I told you, I tell you, we have a promise from the Word of God. A promise from the Word of God that, we will, ne that will never go away. That we can stand on, that we can cling to that promise. This is the heart of God that is revealed to you. God is saying to each and every one of us, I love you and I am sovereign. Trust me today to work all things together for good. Let's pray.